Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey, I'm Jim Weaver. I am the host of Foundation Stones. I'm the worship and the administrative pastor at Refuge City Church, and it is a joy to be back with you today. We are in a three-part series. We're on week three. We've been talking about guarding our faith. The first in the series was guarding our faith against apostasy, which is false teaching. The second was guarding our faith against apathy, which is indifference. Today, we're going to be talking about guarding our faith against arrogance, against arrogance. So I have a thought for you. You see, as a child, a young Jewish boy was taught the ways of the Lord through his family lineage. The priesthood was inherited, and the information that he received as he grew up would be used all his life to keep him pure, to keep him undefiled, to keep him ready to serve the Lord and the Jewish people. And as a young man, he was trained under illustrious leaders and became an expert in every form of religious practice. He was going to be leading the people. Pretty soon, this man was recognized for his wisdom, for his political power, and even by his outer wear, his priestly garments. Everyone knew who he was because of how he looked. He was a part of the Pharisees, a conservative Jewish priesthood that was greatly admired and venerated. He was special. And unfortunately, sometimes men that were in these positions began to really realize that they were special. Maybe there was another child that grew up in a secular household, not overly religious and not overly patriotic or loyal to the country of Israel. He was trained in commerce and began to recognize the money trail. It wasn't found in religious piety, but rather in the oppression of the Jewish people by the Roman government. It was easy to make an incredible living by serving the world, the oppressive state and its heavy taxes. and by, of course, adding his own margin to the top of the taxes that he was collecting so he could personally profit. And however, over the course of time, his conscience began to trouble him and he grieved over the heartache he had caused others so that he could personally benefit through their hardship. Two different men, two different stories. One, a religious, pious, venerated, holy man. Another, a sinner. Someone that was hated, someone that had made a lot of mistakes in life. And Jesus used these two men in a parable, to be able to describe to us the true source of where repentance and where change can come from, the heart motive that happens in us when we are in maybe one of these two categories and any combination that might lend themselves toward one of these definitions. I want to look at his parable together today to open today's podcast. Luke 18, we're going to start in verse 9. Jesus says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
So in this series on guarding our faith, this, the third in the series, is talking about arrogance, our predisposition to admire our own righteousness and become prideful. Let's look back at some of our key verses we've been looking at from this series. The first is found in 1 Timothy 4.16, where the Apostle Paul is telling his young protege, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul says to watch your life and your doctrine. So it's not just about the form of your religion, it's actually about the way you live your life. And he says, if you guard these things, that you will save both yourself and those that listen to you or those that you influence. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So arrogance, spiritual pride. It sounds slippery even just to say it. It's something that none of us would ever like to admit that we have. And yet, if we're truly honest, there's times in our Christianity where we can come across with arrogance. We have embodied pride, specifically in our spirituality. It's a dangerous and slippery slope, but we really have to face this because it can dislodge our faith and cause it to be ineffective because literally we are not embodying the heart of Christ when we are religiously prideful, when we are arrogant. You see, being religious doesn't necessarily mean that you're Christ-like. In fact, if truth be told, arrogance can make you less Christ-like. Philippians 2 verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, the nature of Jesus is humility. Making sure that he is not positioning himself in a haughty way, but positioning himself as a servant. And truly in our culture, With our desire to climb the ladder of success and to gain titles and accolades and abbreviations behind our names, if we're not careful, we can become incredibly impressed with ourselves. And even while calling ourselves Christians, we're not actually being Christ like. You see, God, God's not impressed with boasting at all. Jeremiah 9, verse 23, it says, This is what the Lord says Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So what do we do? We boast in the Lord. We boast in the fact that we actually have a relationship with the King of all the universe. Not because of what we have. It's really pretty small compared to what we have in Christ. 
God is never going to promote self-righteousness, meaning that we actually define our own righteousness by our own works and our own abilities and our own standards. It's a dangerous place to be, and God won't promote our own self-righteousness. Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. One of the dichotomies of arrogance, spiritual arrogance is what I'm talking about today, is that we think that when we have the haughtiness or the pride, it actually increases our influence. We have an unnatural, an unfounded definition of what it means to influence people. We think that because we have attained something, because we have a title, because we have knowledge, because we have a spiritual backdrop or whatever it might be, that we actually are gaining influence. But really, did you know? People can read right through it. I know you can. You can read it in other people. So so why do we think that we can ever get away with it ourselves? that we can come across in our spiritual arrogance and not be found out to be a prideful, arrogant person? You see, spiritual arrogance actually diminishes influence. It doesn't increase it. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 16, it says, There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The phrase haughty eyes is describing arrogance. It's describing the way that we look down our nose at other people because we see ourselves as better than someone else. In the New Testament, there's another definition of how that spiritual arrogance plays out. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For every Everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. You see, this is a teaching that comes through liars, people whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron, people who are teaching truths but are doing it from a seat of arrogance and pride and self-righteousness. A religious spirit. When we think of ourselves higher than we ought, when we think of our religion as so undefiled that everyone else should admire it, that's going to cause us to start teaching rules and regulations, but actually forget the heart that God gave us in the Word of God. We start wanting to be served rather than to serve. We start using the Word of God as a weapon to aim at other people rather than letting it be a mirror that reads back at us. Philippians 3 Verse 3, it says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are of the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. 
So what's Paul saying here? Paul is having a contention against the Jewish religious people that were saying in order to be saved, you had to be circumcised. What that meant was you had to do all of the religious duties. You had to follow all of the rules. You had to be perfect according to the outside. But on the inside was arrogance and haughtiness and basically a heart of pride and It was something that became very ugly. He continues, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So he's saying, I've done all of those things. But he continues, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul is telling us, I have all the reasons to be proud of my spirituality, but all of it is worth nothing. It's garbage. Some translations even say that it's refuse. It's just waste that needs to go onto the dung heap. But he says that when I came to know Christ, I realized none of that counted. What counted was that I put my faith in the work of Christ. I would consider all of that a loss just to be counted worthy to be considered his son. You see, a religious, arrogant spirit will focus on outer appearance. It'll focus on man's approval. It'll abhor suffering without credit. I want accolade for my suffering after all, you know? This is why Jesus told us to fast and to pray and to give in secret. It keeps our motives pure. And I love what scripture's teaching us here because it means that true religion is not served. It actually serves. True religion serves. When you're truly in love with God, you're going to serve other people, not so they're impressed with you, but so that you can reach them with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and with the love of God. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3, this portion of scripture is powerful. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I read all those verses as one big clump. I want to tell you today that that is the definition of humble service when it comes to being a Christ follower. I'm not in this for me. I'm in this for you. I'm in this for how I can serve. I'm in this for how I can release the goodness of God into somebody else's life. I'm here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't need the spotlight on me. If the light shines on me, may it only reflect his glory. You see, the test of humility is the willingness to give your life and comfort without anyone ever knowing about it. Simply be authentic. If it's who you say you are, just be that without trying to coax some kind of compliment or power position out of it. None of us deserve anything, really. Think about it. If you see this arrogance in yourself, repent today. If you see this in another person, be careful. You will know it by its fruit. If it's haughty, it's not from God. Don't let haughty Religious people, their statements, the condescending looks, put something on you that God never did. And if you struggle with being arrogant about your faith, repent and stop putting weights on the shoulders of other people to make your own religion look good, making it look better than theirs. True religion is serving others to help them draw closer to Christ, not ridiculing those that you don't see as pious as you are. Be really careful. I want to encourage you today in this very pointed and maybe even blunt teaching. Guard your faith against arrogance. Guard your faith against arrogance, a religious, haughty spirit that works against the effectiveness of the gospel. You might feel good about yourself, but you might actually be working against God. You could actually be responsible for people running from God instead of running to him. So a question today, what steps do you need to take to personally guard your faith against spiritual arrogance? And are you in need of apologizing to God for using your Christianity to increase your own influence and maybe even to browbeat other people? Are you in need of learning how to serve without credit and to live as a Christian example without accolade? Would you be defined as that one who comes before Jesus that says, I'm glad I'm not like that guy? Or could you be defined more as the one that says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? I want to pray with us today as we close the series on guarding our faith. This is a very powerful challenge for us because arrogance will push people away from Christ. Humility will draw them close. And I want to be an avenue through which God can draw somebody else to him. And that's going to come through humility, through loving God, and through loving people. So let's lay our heart before him for a moment and ask God to change us so that we can walk the way that Jesus walked, not coming to be served, but to serve. So Lord, today I ask that you would shine your light in our heart. There be any wicked way in us, we repent. We ask you for forgiveness. We ask you, Jesus, to root out pride and to help us to walk in greater humility and greater compassion for people. Lord, that we would recognize like this tax collector that you could have mercy on us in the midst of our sin and that we could live as a living testimony of your forgiveness and your grace and your kindness 
and your mercy. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.